all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason, you. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. Thanks for tuning in today. You're listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Today, we're going to be answering your questions about health and wellness and fitness and how to stay healthy and fit. Our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can always email us, fit at mpbonline.org. Or you can go over to Facebook and uh, interact with me there. My page is Healthy Habits with Josie. So we woke up to a uh, chilly morning here in the metro area. And uh, if you follow me on social media, you know that that makes me um, grumpy because I don't do I don't do cold weather very well. So I'm all all bundled up. But. Uh, in all seriousness, that does affect how we interact with each other now. We're going to be, as the weather continues to get get colder, we take our activities indoors more and we spend less time outside. And so in light of um, the spread of COVID, then that, you know, that concerns me a little bit more from a prevention standpoint and making sure we have all the layers of protection in place that we need to have to try and slow or prevent the spread of COVID. And we'll talk about some of those, um, some of those things today. I hope you all had a good Thanksgiving. I know it was probably different than uh, Thanksgivings in the past, um, but uh, maybe you created a new family tradition that you didn't normally <laughs> didn't normally have and found something that that you enjoyed there. Um, this time between Thanksgiving and Christmas is usually one of the busiest times in terms of questions that come in for me um, about getting healthy and about making changes to food and activity and all of those different kinds of things. Um, I had a, a person message me the other day because they uh, they had Thanksgiving and then the next day they got on the scale and they weighed three pounds more and they kind of freaked out from that. And so, you know, there's a couple of pieces of, of advice to unpack there. And that's probably don't get on the scale if you if that's going to discourage you. Right. And that that happens for a lot of folks. So I weigh pretty frequently. Um but I don't do it. Um, it it's not going to change the way I live day to day. I just do it just to know that number, but I don't let it discourage me if maybe it's, it's gone up a pound or two. 
um, or give myself a free pass to eat something that I know is not good for me if, if it's gone down. It's just the number on the scale. It's just a piece of information that, that I keep in terms of knowing my, my heart risk, right, and my, my risk of chronic disease. But for a lot of patients that I work with um, and a lot, of, a lot of friends that I see posting on, on social media, it's, it can be very, very discouraging. And so, um, you know, if you look at the textbook, it's going to say, you know, for people who lose weight and keep it off, they consistently get on the scale and, and track their weight. And that can be true. But there are a group of folks who just become incredibly discouraged with that. And so if that if weighing is going to make you less likely to make healthy choices because you kind of feel defeated, then that's not really what we want to do right now. Right. Um, I would hazard to say that most people probably gained some weight between Thanksgiving Day and the day after Thanksgiving may not even be weight, weight, it may be fluid because a lot of the things that we eat on Thanksgiving have a lot of sodium in them, especially if we're starting with um, packaged um, seasoning mixes and gravies and all those kinds of things can make us kind of hold on to extra fluid. Um, And so just, just don't do it if it's going to, you know, cause you distress there. Um, Usually for folks who are just wanting to know their weight, I just say once a week. Um, and do that at the same time, same day, same time, and relatively same outfit, unless you're going to weigh without clothes. Um, you want to kind of keep all those things consistent so that you can really see from week to week um, how your weight is, is doing. And that brings me to what is appropriate weight loss. So a lot of folks that I work with also get very discouraged because the weight is not melting off. Like they don't drop 10, 15, 20 pounds in a couple of weeks. And you shouldn't. Um, That is not what we're looking for in terms of uh, lasting weight loss, right? Sustainable weight loss, which should be our goal. Quick weight loss where we drop, you know, 10, 15 pounds relatively quickly usually doesn't hang around, that weight loss doesn't hang around for a long period of time. We usually wind up gaining that back, and then we gain back even more um, for a variety of reasons. But one is it usually requires us to be really restrictive to lose that amount of weight that quickly, where we cut out entire food groups. Like, let's say we ditch all carbs, you know, we throw out the good carbs with with the bad carbs, and we just cut all our carbs out. Um, And weight loss happens, but it's usually not something that's going to be sustainable for long periods of time. Like if you're in your 30s, you're probably not going to eat that way for the rest of your entire life. You might, but you you probably won't. And then as you start to add back things, then your metabolic rate is slowed down because of the elimination of that food group. And so you gain all the weight back that you lost and then some additional weight on top of that. Um, which can be super frustrating because then it leads us to bounce into another super restrictive diet and the, the whole process continues. That's what we call yo-yo dieting, where we, we lose and then we gain and we gain some more. We lose, we gain and gain some more. And it's just a, a big old cycle um, that we get into that is not what our body is craving. Our body is craving consistency. And so what is that? 
appropriate level of weight loss. Well, it's one to two pounds per week is what we're, we're shooting for. So uh, when I have someone who, who comes in and they tell me, I want to lose 20 pounds by the next time I see you and they're going to see me in a month, um, I never squash their, their dream or their goal, but I'll tell them what, what the science says in terms of being healthy and being sustainable and that um, as far as my goal for them, I would be happy to see them lose, you know, somewhere between four and eight pounds in that, that same time frame. And, you know, knowing that that is a much more achievable, realistic goal. And if we surpass that and we do it in a healthy way, kudos to us. Um, but just a, a little bit more realistic um, focus. So, you know, my inbox has been flooded with, with questions about getting healthy um, after, after eating all the things uh, for Thanksgiving. Um, but a friend of mine who's also a nurse practitioner, uh, nope, she's a nurse um, and a nurse coach and is um, certified in lifestyle medicine. She lives in Florida. She posted on her Facebook page that it's not about what you eat on uh, Thanksgiving or Christmas or how little you move on Thanksgiving day or Christmas day. It's what you do the other, you know, 363 days of the year that really, um, count. And that really hit me. And I told her, I said, I'm stealing that for the radio. Uh, cause it's really a, a powerful thing to think about that a couple of days don't define you. It's what you choose to do as your everyday lifestyle that really has these long lasting impacts. So we can, of course, talk about how we can adjust our, our Christmas meals and our Christmas activities to help with weight management or heart health or all those kinds of things. But even if you're not going to do that, if you're going to you know, continue to, to eat the way you've always eaten at the holidays, that doesn't have to be the pattern that you adopt for the rest of of your life for the rest of the year. There are still tons and tons of days to make good, healthy um, lifestyle decisions. And so we want to focus on building a pattern that supports uh, health on the everyday and not just focus on what we can do day to, uh, you know, during the holiday time. And there's absolutely things that we can do during that time. So my first piece of advice to folks is think about what your overall goal is for 2021 in terms of, of health and wellness? Is it to get more active? Is it to make changes to your nutrition? Those are the top two that usually flesh out in terms of New Year's resolutions and, and planning and goal setting and all those kinds of things. And there's nothing wrong with those, but they're very um, generic they're very um, open-ended in terms of what your goals could be. We've talked about goal setting on the show before, but now's a really good time to start thinking about what your goals are for your health in uh, 2021 and kind of start laying the groundwork for those things now so that it's not, you know, not November, uh, January 1st. And you're like, oh, whoops, I should have had a, a resolution or a plan. Start making those plans um, now. And so if it's to get more active, what does that mean for you and in your life? What does more active mean um, for me? Uh, you know, I recently uh, restarted running. And so um, I've run today's the last day of November, I've got a couple more miles to get in, but I'll be at 60 miles for November. And so that was that was my goal It was very specific. And so I can say, 
yes, I met my goal or no, I didn't meet my goal because I put a really um, easy to measure metric on that. I gave myself a, a mile goal. And if I don't reach that goal, it, it doesn't mean I'm a failure. It just means we need to look back at that goal and say, maybe that was a bit aggressive for, um, for, for the month or man, that was easy. Maybe I can make a different goal next month. So it may be that you are going to do five minutes of walking, um, every day or three days out of the week, any of those different types of things, but be as specific as possible when you're writing um, your health goals. Uh, so, you know, if we're going to do walking, then I will walk on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 8 a.m. for five minutes outside in my neighborhood. And if it is um, raining, I'm going to walk around the house. And so give yourself a plan that's very specific, very measurable, um, but then also give yourself a backup plan for when, when life happens because it will um, like today it's super cold and I'm really not looking forward to, to running outside but I'm going to make it happen to, to meet my goal I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center thanks for listening to the Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit Podcast if you have a question you can email fit at mpbonline.org or leave a comment on my Facebook page Healthy Habits with Josie For ongoing information on staying healthy and fit, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. I'm Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law, host of In Legal Terms. If you're enjoying this podcast, I encourage you to listen to In Legal Terms, the show about you and your rights. We find interesting legal topics to bring to you and let you know how the law affects you. Find In Legal Terms on any podcasting platform on your smart device or on our website, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. joining us today on Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. I'm your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell, nurse practitioner at UMMC, and we're answering your questions today about how to stay healthy and fit. Our number is one mpb ring It's one 672 Our email is fit at mpbonline.org. Or you can go over to Facebook and interact with me there, Healthy Habits with Josie. And we do have some callers on the line. So we'll start in Jackson and talk with David this morning. Hello, David. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm I'm well. Hope well, you good. I am doing my best. How can I help well, you today? I hope to stay well. Yes. Uh, I have a couple <laughs> of questions. One, is there a... Uh, a preventive medicine clinic at, at the medical center where I can make an appointment? Yes, yes. So um, our preventive medicine uh, clinic is is the lifestyle medicine clinic that I run. Um, and so absolutely, you can, you can make an appointment there. Um, our number is, do you have a pen? I do. 984-2233. 
is our point is our um, scheduling line. Okay. You don't have to have a referral. Um, now, uh, one thing to to keep in mind in terms of um, lifestyle medicine, preventive medicine, is we don't um, serve as a primary care provider. So we always partner with the with the primary care provider, but we do you know prevention services and then of course um, wellness counseling and diet and exercise and all of those different kinds of things there. And we've got three preventive medicine residents that we have with us in clinic, so it's a it's a good group and a dietitian. Okay, well, good. good. Now, uh, also, I was wondering, is, is the preventive medicine work that mm-hmm. y'all do at, at the medical center, is, is it similar to the work of Ford Brewer? I don't know. Tell me about them. Well, well he's, you know, guy did the preventive medicine program at Johns Hopkins for ah, t- 20 okay. years. So um, our program, we he, have, so we he, have a, oh, he's, kind of he's cut out on doing me. a Go separate uh, preventive medicine work now. Uh, okay. Uh, he's not, at, he's not at Hopkins anymore. Not at Hopkins anymore. So we have kind of several kind of tracks of work in terms of preventive medicine. So we have preventive medicine residency. And so we've got, um, we just graduated our first resident last uh, last June, and then we've got three uh, third years and three second years and a couple of um, first years that are doing their preliminary year in internal medicine. And so our main clinical footprint is the lifestyle medicine piece that is myself and another nurse practitioner, a dietitian um, as well. And then all of our preventive medicine residents also spend time in a variety of other areas like the health department, um, family medicine, um, health policy, um, healthcare management, and all of those different kinds uh, of, um, of focus areas. Uh, and then also focusing on the public health aspect as well, working on things like epidemiology and biostatistics and those types of things. Okay, thank you very much. You're so and, welcome. And stay safe, stay healthy. And you too. All right. All right. We're going to go to Quitman and talk with Mary this morning. Hello, Mary. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. I sure. Like what know- can we do for you? Yes. I would like to know if going on a two-day fast would slow down your metabolism too much, just two days? Uh, two days, 24, like completely fasting 24 hours each day? Yes, with just water and maybe a little fruit juice, just a little bit. You know, I, I don't love fasts like that for, for a variety of reasons. Um, one is... If you have any medical conditions at all, then that can be be dangerous, especially things like diabetes, especially if you have, you know, issues with with controlling your blood sugar. So anytime somebody's undertaken a, a fast to that degree, you need to make sure that you talk with your primary care provider or dietitian first before you do that. Um, in terms of um, fasting, the things that have been shown to to work a little bit better are more of the intermittent fasting or the time-restricted eating patterns. Um, but again, the quality of the diet has to be there first. So it's not just about, you know, eating whatever we want in an eight-hour uh, window of time. It's about good quality nutrition and then, you know, kind of built-in times of restrictions. Um, so it's really not a, a kind of a 
cut and dry answer that I can give for you there. Although I would just say that in general, if you're doing it to, you know, to lose weight or to kind of reset or detox or any of those kinds of things, there's just, there's just better ways uh, to do it. And I'm just not a fan of the kind of all liquid uh, extended fasts. Okay. All right. Thank you, doctor. You're welcome. Thank you for giving us a call today. And if you guys want to give us a call, you are welcome to do that. Our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. All right. Had a question um, come in that said I was listening to another show and I reckon you recommended two eating plans that if you follow, it could eliminate the need for heart medications such as statins. Um, can you provide a link or contact information for those? So uh, let's unpack that a little bit more in the fact that medications may always be necessary, right? And so a lot of people um, think that because I'm so heavily focused on lifestyle that I I don't use medications or I don't recommend medications, and that's that's not true. Uh, Medications are uh, a valuable piece um, a valuable tool for us to have. Uh, sometimes they're temporary. So we're using those medications um, while we're working on changing lifestyle and, and those types of things just to, to decrease the, the um, progression of disease. And then sometimes they're still required. Like for myself, um, you know, I eat only plants. I exercise, try and sleep well, you know, those kinds of things I would consider that I do a lot of the things correctly in terms of lifestyle, but I still require a statin medication um, from uh, familial um, cholesterol issues. And so I remember the the day that I started that medicine and I kind of felt defeated a little bit. Um, like, why, you know, why am I doing all these healthy things if I'm still going to have to take medication? And really the light bulb just went off and I thought, imagine how bad my cholesterol would be if I didn't do these things. Right. So it's, it's not just a a free pass to, to not work on your, your lifestyle because all these things are, are related and connected to each other. When we eat well for cholesterol lowering, we're all, that's also eating well for blood sugar maintenance and for blood pressure maintenance and all of those different kinds of things there. And so, um, I'm not sure exactly which two plans I I spoke of specifically during that show. I would imagine that they were plant-based and plant-focused. And so I probably talked about the fact that the Mediterranean diet as well as the DASH diet are both um, considered plant-based diets because the emphasis is on the plant uh, instead of the emphasis being on the animal-based protein. And so both of those are excellent dietary patterns um, to adopt as well as um, whole food plant-based, which is what we talk a lot about on on this show, which is different than vegetarian or um, vegan because there is all kinds of junk food wrapped up in, in vegetarian and vegan uh, meals. And so whole food plant-based is focusing on food that is not messed with a ton um, and focuses on the plants and plant proteins instead of animal-based proteins. So things like beans and nuts and seeds and legumes and those types of things. Um, So if you're curious about um, heart-healthy diets and in particular plant-focused heart-healthy diets, DASH is a great place to start. Mediterranean is another one or looking up whole food 
plant-based um, nutrition. If you need links for any of those, please feel free to reach out to me. You can always email me, fit at mpbonline.org, and I'm happy to um, to send you uh, some, some links and some references for those uh, dietary plans there. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Thanks for listening to the Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit Podcast. If you have a question, you can email fit at mpbonline.org or leave a comment on my Facebook page, Healthy Habits with Josie. For ongoing information on staying healthy and fit, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. Hey, this is Larry Morrissey with the Mississippi Arts Commission. I'm one of the hosts of the Mississippi Arts Hour, the arts interview show on Think Radio. We talk with visual artists, musicians, writers, as well as people who help bring the arts to their communities. We hear about how each artist learned their craft and get some insight into their creative process. You can hear the Arts Hour every Sunday at 5 p.m. on Think Radio, or listen anytime by subscribing to the show through your favorite podcasting app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. tuning in. You're listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, nurse practitioner at UMMC, and we're answering your questions today about how to stay healthy and fit. If you have a question for us, our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 We had a couple callers on, and it looks like they got disconnected. If you are listening and you want to give us a call, now's a perfect time. You can always uh, message me on Facebook, Healthy Habits with Josie, if you, uh, if you don't want to talk on the air. We're happy to answer your questions that way. Or if you come up with a great tip or trick that has uh, helped you in your journey for a healthy lifestyle, I love to get those and share them um, that way. We actually had a tip um, come in um, on Facebook about walking and how um, how they had started a walking plan. They said they'd actually been listening um, to the show. Thanks for listening. We appreciate that. Um, and had taken the uh, tip about adding their exercise to their calendar and that that had really helped them be able to do that. And so they were adding their walking to um, to their uh, calendar and planning out their week as to when they would walk and checking it off when they got it. Uh, when they got it done and that that was a good incentive for them. And I do that with patients. I will make um, exercise calendars for patients where we go ahead and plan out um, when we're going to be active, whether that be walking or jogging or biking or swimming or whatever it's going to be, go ahead and put it on the calendar. And then they print out that calendar and, you know, almost color off or use a sticker um, on the area, you know, on the day when they, when they do their activity and, you know, count up how many sessions they were able to get each week and then build in a non-food related um, reward for being, uh, for, for reaching that goal. And so I'm super glad that, um, somebody found that tip helpful that they implemented it, implemented it into their life um, and have seen good results from that. Um, the other thing they said they did was um, start posting on social media about the benefits of walking and um, how it had 
um, helped their health in their life. And so that that's great. We need more um, healthy living warriors out there who are speaking to um, the benefits uh, of a healthy lifestyle. And so if you guys are listening and you've got kind of tips or tricks that you've uh, picked up along the way on, um, on making healthy activities fit into your life, I'd love to hear those too. Um, again, that number is one eight seven seven mpb ring All right. So um, for Thanksgiving this year, of course, it, it looked different. But one of the things that we did um, was my sweet parents um, drove down. They live in the Delta. Um, they drove down and left me a care package of food on my my front doorstep, which those are the best kinds of care packages, the kinds that have yummy foods cooked by your mom. Um, they didn't come in. They stayed outside. Um, we uh, stayed six feet away from them outside. And um, we visited for about 10 minutes. And we posted a picture of that on Facebook. And my parents had on masks. And you, you couldn't see me, but I had a mask on as well. And um, I got some pushback uh, on the, that picture with people asking why we had on masks when we were outside. And so I think that that's a, a good time to talk about layers of protection and that there is kind of no one safety measure that is 100% effective. And so masking is one, being far apart is another, having things outside is another um, but there isn't like, just being outside is not a magic bullet. If um, if you are infectious, like if you had COVID and you spent a lot of time outside with someone um, and you were unmasked and they were unmasked, there's still the potential for transmission that way, um, especially if you are closer than six feet. So there's multiple layers of protection that we we layer in um, to to keep people healthy and safe. All right, we do have a caller on the line, uh, Curtis on the road. Good morning, Curtis. How's it going? It's going good. How are you? Doing good. Um, what can I help you with? Sure. Um, you said the whole food, plant-based diet. Uh-huh. Uh, Mediterranean. Uh-huh. And dash. Uh-huh. Okay. What was the... Uh, email address or website that you gave Oh, so our email here at um, at Southern Remedy is fit at mpbonline.org. And so if you're wanting more information about any of those um, dietary patterns, you can send me an email and I'm happy to send you some, some handouts and some of my favorite websites um, for doing, you know, for looking at those dietary patterns. Okay. Uh, my question is, what is the benefit of a plant-based diet? Oh, gosh, that's a great question. And there's there's a lot, right? And so when we're talking about a plant-based diet, especially one that um, has no animal-based products in it, right? So no meats or cheeses or butters or any of that kind of stuff. It's naturally cholesterol-free, right? It's cholesterol um, only lives in animal products. And so when we have folks that have heart disease, and we're looking for ways to really pull back on added cholesterols. Moving to a plant-based diet is a really great way to do that. The second uh, kind of top benefit in terms of a plant-based diet is the amount of fiber that you get. Um, fiber has a lot of health benefits. It, it, it 
It as well helps lower cholesterol, um, but it also helps decrease the risk of colon cancer as well as just keeping our bowel movements nice and regular. Um, so when we look at a plant-based diet, it's just great for heart health, great for gut health. And most plant foods are relatively low in calories compared to their um, animal-based counterpart, right? Beans versus steak. And so um, swapping those and having more plants allows you to have more food or larger amounts of food for less calories um, so that you're able to feel full and satisfied without eating too many calories. So it's great for weight management as well. Um, it is also great for blood sugar regulation. So there's lots of health benefits um, to it. And it doesn't have to be an all or nothing thing. You know, any kind of shift that we have away from less reliance on animal-based sources and more inclusion of plant-based um, materials and, and really whole plant foods. So not, not vegan junk food, not fake meats and fake cheeses and those kinds of things, but, you know, green leafy vegetables and beans and nuts and seeds and, um, you know, uh, red and yellow, purple vegetables, all those different kinds of the bounty of vegetables that are out there, the, the more health benefits we have. Okay. Uh, my wife and I are going to give it a try. Uh, we've been talking about it here lately, so I think we're going to give it a try and uh, see the benefits from Absolutely. Please shoot me that email and I'll send you um, some great um, ways to get started on that, on your plant-based journey. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank you so much, Curtis and stay safe on the road. All right. Going to Renee in Utica. Good morning, Renee. Good morning. Yes. I would like to know, is there a difference between vitamin D2 and vitamin D3 and is one more important than the other? I listen on air. Thank yeah, you. so so there there is a difference, um, and usually I recommend vitamin D three as a supplement if we're going to take a supplement. Um, you know, and we've talked about supplements on the show before that you know we really need to make sure that we we need a supplement before we take a supplement, um, especially with the fat soluble vitamins like A, D, E, and K. Um, those can get um, toxic if uh, if too much is taken. Um, but vitamin D3 does, um, as a supplement, tends to be better absorbed and more bioavailable. Um, so it is the one that is um, generally uh, what's recommended in terms of adding a vitamin D supplement to your daily life. Thank you so much for that question. Uh, if you need more information about uh, vitamins, I'm happy uh, to answer those as well. You can send me an email, bit at mpbonline.org. And I will um, tag on to that. I know we've talked about it before, but making sure that you get good quality vitamins and supplements if you're going to, to add those to, um, to your routine. Um, they, they can be pricey, but you really are paying for quality and making sure that you get good quality um, supplements. I like to always look for the USP verified symbol on the side of the vi vitamin bottle. It's usually just in a little, I think it's a triangle shape um, that says USP verified. And that is because supplements, um, dietary supplements are, are not regulated by the Food and Drug Administration. Um, and so there are not as many kind of quality control um, 
things in place for that. Um, USP is a voluntary um, uh, certification that that um, supplements can get, saying what's in the bottle is actually what's in the bottle at the potency that it says it's supposed to be. Um, I think Nature's Made is one of the probably the most readily uh, available brands that is usually USP verified, but just always look for that um, that little symbol on the side of the bottle. It's just a little extra layer of, of safety that what you're getting is is what you intended to be getting. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Thanks for listening to the Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit Podcast. If you have a question, you can email fit at mpbonline.org or leave a comment on my Facebook page, Healthy Habits with Josie. For ongoing information on staying healthy and fit, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, host of Southern Remedies Relatively Speaking, a show that explores issues that relate to you and your family, from mental health obstacles and family interactions to handling life disruptions. Whatever it is, we're here to help. Find out what we're all about and subscribe to the podcast by using any podcast app or by downloading our MPB public media app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. You're listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. And I'm your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell, practitioner at UMMC. We've got a couple callers on the line, and we are in the last segment of the show. So if you have a burning question for us, now's the time to hop on. Our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring We're going to start with Richard and Mabin. Good morning, Richard. Good morning. Uh, I take uh, zinc for prostate uh-huh. problems. I'm advanced and aged and this sort of stuff. But uh, it's disappeared from the shelves. Uh, yes. <laughs> it's like everybody's buying it to, to boost their immune to COVID or something. I, I don't get it. Uh, is there anything else I can take? And is there a way of getting zinc other than just off the shelf in uh, my local pharmacy? Yeah, so you're you're right. There's a zinc scarcity on the the shelves because it is part of the protocol, especially for outpatient um, COVID. A lot of that, a lot of um, providers are adding zinc um, to those um, to, to to their treatment plans for for folks, and so it is a little bit harder to get. And so, like um, like anything, uh, any of the, the the supplements, any of the vitamins and minerals. We can get them from food, and so looking at um, you know ways to add zinc in um, to to your diet from a nutritional standpoint is is a good way uh, uh, to get those kinds of things. Um, we tend to think about zinc being in meats and poultries and seafoods, um, so things like beef and chicken and um, oysters and that kind of stuff. Um, but you can still get them from plant-based sources as well, um, legumes, uh, nuts, seeds, whole grains, um, and then any of our kind of fortified 
um, breakfast cereals or grains also usually have zinc um, added into them that way. Um, so that that's one way uh, to get uh, to get some zinc uh, from from that perspective. Did your physician prescribe the zinc or is it just something that you added in? We lost him. So uh, my my other recommendation would be to, you know, if your physician prescribed, it would be to talk to to them about um, an additional way uh, to, to get the zinc from um, from a, uh, that standpoint, since it's hard to find on the shelves there. All right. Moving on to Vicksburg. We're going to talk with Marsha. Hello, Marsha. Hey, how are you? I am doing just fine. A little chilly, but other than that, I'm all right. How are you? Doing good. Doing good. What can I help um, you with? Well, uh, I have been diagnosed with osteopenia, and my doctor okay. wants me to consume uh, 1,500 milligrams of calcium a day. And mm-hmm. I can't drink that much milk a day, so I got uh, some calcium tablets. And I was wondering if this was okay, 500 milligrams with vitamin D3 and maybe take one of those a day. Yeah, yeah so calcium supplements can absolutely um, be fine. Uh, especially if your doctor has kind of recommended a, a certain amount that you take a day. Um, a lot of times they, they recommend that that be gotten from supplements. Did it say how much, uh, did he recommend how much vitamin D3 he should be on as well? No, and it's got um, D3 with it, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. let's see. Okay, um, looks like 10 <laughs> micrograms per tablet. Yeah. So the, the first thing would be to ask um, ask him how much vitamin D he wants you to have, right? So that we make sure mm-hmm. we're on the right supplement, right, um, and that we're getting the correct amount. And then there are also other calcium-rich foods besides um, dairy uh, that we can look at, in particular um, things like green leafy vegetables, so mm-hmm. you know, uh, kale, um, spinach, those kinds of things, they have calcium in them, broccoli, um, any of those really bright green veggies have, have calcium um, in them as well, as well as some of your um, breads and grains are going to be fortified um, with calcium. So mm-hmm. the, the first step really is to find out what, what your goal is and whether you have an actual vitamin D deficiency or not. Um, so there's kind of optimal levels of vitamin D and then there's vitamin insufficiency, which is where we have kind of not quite as much as we need, but not low enough to be truly deficient. And then there's the vitamin D deficiency. And so so knowing where we fall in there into which category we have there really will help guide the, the supplement selection so that we make sure we're getting the proper amounts of vitamin D and calcium. Okay, I, went, I went, looked back on my instruction sheet. Vitamin D is 68 as a goal. Okay. So um, that'll, unless that says good, maybe and my did, vitamin D level is good. Um, I think that's probably the, the level that your vitamin D was. Um, yeah. Yeah, um, which is pretty pretty high, actually. And so you may not need any of the vitamin D3 in the supplement. So now's the time to really have a much more frank conversation with your provider about exactly what supplement they want. And they, they should be able to tell you exactly how much supplement to add, knowing that you're not getting it from uh, diet as much as you would like to. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, it is. It's kind of hard. I don't mind drinking the milk, but uh, 
to drink 1,500 milligrams worth. Yeah, caffeine. that's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> that would probably cause you some other issues as well. Um, you know, dairy is, <laughs> is rather constipating. And so that you don't want to tr- trade one thing for the other. Um, and then the other important part um, with bone health and and trying to make sure we hang on to the bone that we have. So with osteopenia, we have thinning bones. Um, you know, they're not all the way to osteoporosis, but now's a good time to, you know, for bone maintenance is weight bearing exercise. So walking. I knew that E word would come up. <laughs> yeah. You know, pesky old me throwing that exercise word around in there. Um, but it doesn't, you know, people hear weight bearing and they think that means they have to lift weights and that mm-hmm. that's not the case. It's just, you know, your body against gravity. So, mm-hmm. you know, walking is a, a great weight bearing activity um, that, that you can do and just start small, you know, if it's not something that you're already doing routinely, you know, we don't have to go from zero to 30 minutes a day overnight. Um, and, you know, walking outside gets you the added benefit of getting a little vit- bit of vitamin D production through the skin. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you All for right. your advice. You're welcome. You You have a good rest of your week there. All right. We did have a question that came in that said, oh, gosh, they uh, were at a family Thanksgiving and someone at Thanksgiving tested positive for COVID. Um, What is their kind of next step? And so First, we have to talk about what your exposure is, right? So how close were you? Um, How much contact did you have? Usually close contact is considered um, closer than six feet for more than 15 minutes. But it doesn't have to be 15 minutes all at one whop. It could be five minutes kind of spread out across the the, um, time. So, you know, if you had um, close contact, with someone at Thanksgiving, then you would enter into uh, quarantine, right? And so there's the difference between quarantine and isolation. Isolation is when you yourself has tested positive for COVID-19 and you isolate away from all the people. Um, And usually that is 10 days from the onset of your symptoms um, and 24 hours fever-free without fever-reducing medication. Um, Quarantine is when you have been exposed and we are waiting to see if you develop symptoms. And so that is a 14-day quarantine. So that's a little bit different. People get confused about whether they're supposed to be away for 10 days or 14 days. Um, the incubation period of COVID-19 is uh, two to 14 days. And so that's why that quarantine period is uh, 14 days in length. Um, people ask, when should they get tested if they've had a positive exposure? And unfortunately, what I see people do is they get exposed on a Monday and they go get a test on a Tuesday and it's negative and they think they're good to go. Um, it it has not had time to to incubate and cook in there and, and give a positive test result. Um, so really all the way up until day 14, there's the potential for you to still develop uh, and turn positive. Um, but if you're going to get a test after exposure, I usually recommend somewhere around five to six days, just because that's the, the average amount of days it takes um, for, for incubation. You know, said two to 14 days, but five to six days is the average. So a test on day five to six. Um, but even if it's negative, 
uh, I wouldn't necessarily pull you out of uh, quarantine at that point, especially if you're um, had extensive exposure to that individual at that time. You can always um, call the Mississippi State Department of Health. They have a COVID hotline that can answer more specific questions for you there about that. Um, but really be thinking about how you would uh, set that up in your house if you had to quarantine or isolate and really think about planning and making sure that you had the appropriate amount of um, groceries and things like that if you had to quarantine away, which really just harkens back to the emergency um, preparedness shows that we've done in the past, which you can um, find in our archives. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Thanks for listening to the Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit Podcast. If you have a question, you can email fit at mpbonline.org or leave a comment on my Facebook page, Healthy Habits with Josie. For ongoing information on staying healthy and fit, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. If you ever miss one of our locally produced shows or want to simply hear it again, you can find what you need at mpbonline.org or download our podcast app to your smartphone. MPB programming is on your schedule at mpbonline.org.